You're listening to the RBN Energy Blogcast. This is an audio version of RBN's Daily Energy Blog, which is a fun and informative daily commentary on oil, gas, NGL, and renewable markets. Each morning, we cover commodity fundamentals and industry changes to keep you informed of developing trends across the energy landscape. Wednesday, March 2, 2022. Something to believe in? Co-powering natural gas-fired power plants with hydrogen. Published by Housley Carr. It's true. A lot of folks harbor serious doubts about whether green, blue, or pink hydrogen, or H2, can ever be produced efficiently and cheaply enough, and in sufficient volumes, to justify blending hydrogen with natural gas, let alone using H2 as an outright replacement for gas. At the same time though a growing number of electric utilities and independent power producers, generally cautious groups, are planning new, large-scale power plants that will be capable of hydrogen or net gas co-firing from the get-go, and can be converted with relative ease to 100% H2 later on. Can hydrogen really make sense as a generation fuel? In today's RBN blog, we begin a series on the prospects for environmentally friendly hydrogen and ammonia H2 carrier in the power generation sector. We get it. There's a growing chorus of skepticism, even cynicism regarding hydrogen as a fuel of the future or energy storage pathway. Since we started blogging about hydrogen back in 2020, we've tried our best to keep it real that is, to point out the many economic and other challenges associated with making H2 more of a mainstream fuel. Producing low-carbon hydrogen is expensive, energy-intensive, and material-intensive, and the entire value chain, upstream, midstream, and downstream will require huge sums of money and a long time to achieve significant development to even put a dent in conventional energy sources. But while it's debatable whether the benefits will outweigh the costs, even opponents would do well to recognize the growing interest in hydrogen from a wide range of industry players, including industrial giants like air products and chemicals that are investing billions of dollars in massive green and blue hydrogen projects in the U.S. and abroad. And it's hard to ignore the big bet that the federal government is putting on H2. As we've been tracking in our weekly hydrogen billboard report, the bipartisan infrastructure bill that President Biden signed into law in November 2021 allocates $8 billion to establish four regional H2 hubs. Proposals are due in May, and the hubs will be selected within a year. The reality is that while hydrogen has a long way to go, its potential as a long-term solution means that energy companies planning for the future need to pay attention. The number of companies and amount of money directed toward hydrogen development is substantial, not just from ambitious startups but from what you might call the establishment. Recent evidence of this has been coming in spades from the U.S. electric power sector, where investor-owned utilities like Energy Texas, publicly-owned municipal utility groups like Intermountain Power Agency, in Utah, and IPPs like Danscammer Energy, in New York, Ember Clear, in Ohio, and Balico LLC, in Virginia, are planning large combined cycle power plants designed to be capable of burning up to a 70-30 blend of natural gas and green, blue or pink hydrogen when they start up, and up to 100% with later retrofits, if and when that makes economic sense. A quick reminder, green hydrogen comes from water run through an electrolyzer powered by renewable energy, blue H2 is produced from natural gas via steam methane reforming, or SMR, with at least part of the resulting carbon dioxide, or CO2, being captured and sequestered, and pink H2 comes from water run through an electrolyzer powered by nuclear power. See you can make it if you try for more. Each of these power projects is interesting in its own right, but, for reasons we'll get to in a moment, the one that jumps out to us is Energy Texas's Orange County Advanced Clean Power Station, or OCAPS, a proposed 1,215-megawatt, 
or MW, plant with Mitsubishi power equipment that the Beaumont-based utility plans to build at a site near Bridge City, Texas. The dual-fuel plant, in this case natural gas and hydrogen, not the more traditional gas with backup diesel, will generate enough electricity to power more than 230,000 homes when it comes online by mid-2026. If Energy Texas secures timely approval for OCAPs from the Public Utility Commission of Texas, or PUCT, construction will begin in the second quarter of next year. In testimony to the PUCT in support of the project, Energy Texas and its consultants said that the time was right to start increasing hydrogen's role in power generation, citing the U.S. Department of Energy's, or DOE, ongoing effort, through its hydrogen shot program, to slash the cost of producing green, blue and pink H2 by 80% by 2030. They also said that Energy Texas's service territory just east and north of Houston was an ideal location for a power plant to be fired at least in part, by hydrogen. Among other things, Number 1. Texas produces about 30% of all U.S. hydrogen through SMR, with most of the state's production occurring along the Gulf Coast between Freeport and the Texas-Louisiana border. Number 2. The OCAP site is at the heart of the U.S.'s most extensive hydrogen pipeline network, which will facilitate delivery of H2 to the proposed plant. Number 3. Texas has favorable geology for underground storage of hydrogen, in salt dome caverns especially along the Gulf Coast, all three of the U.S.'s existing underground H2 storage facilities are in Texas, and two of those are within Energy Texas's service territory. Also, the utility owns three salt caverns at its Spindletop storage facility in Beaumont, estimated working capacity 6.6 BCF, that it uses for natural gas storage, and has suggested it may convert one of the caverns to hydrogen storage. Number 4. Texas has more wind capacity than any other state and is second only to California in solar capacity, providing extensive opportunities for producing green hydrogen bioelectrolysis powered by wind turbines and solar arrays. Number 5. As for blue hydrogen, significant production of H2 via SMR is already occurring in and near the Energy Texas area, and plans for carbon capture and sequestration, or CCS, projects along the Gulf Coast, including ExxonMobil's $100 billion proposal for a Houston CCS innovation zone are in the works. Number 6. Pink hydrogen could be produced using electrolyzers powered by carbon-free nuclear power, such as from the South Texas Project, or STP, a two-unit, 2,700 megawatts nuclear station near Bay City, Texas. We've recently added a pink hydrogen facility tracker in our hydrogen billboard report. Energy Texas has estimated that the hydrogen-related equipment to be incorporated into the OCAPs will cost about $65 million, and account for less than 5% of the project's estimated total cost of $1.2 billion. Investing in the hydrogen component now, it told the PUCT, will enable the plant to be co-fired with up to 30% H2 when the facility starts up in the first half of 2026, and significantly reduce both the cost and conversion time if and when OCAPS is later revised to allow for up to 100% firing by H2. The utility also said that the project would help Energy Texas meet its goal of net-zero carbon emissions by 2050. It seems to us that, given the prevalence of the existing and emerging hydrogen industry in Energy Texas's backyard, having the opportunity but not the obligation to utilize H2 allows the utility to prepare for a clean H2 economy that may or may not develop. What's more, in an environment where all energy-related projects face increased scrutiny and public opposition, see our Up Around the Bend series, the plausible potential to pivot to a more politically palatable fuel may help grease the skids for the project's approval. As we said earlier, OCAPS is only one of several major power projects now under development in the U.S. that can be fired by up to either 20% or 30% hydrogen initially, with a balance coming from natural gas, 
with the ability to be retrofitted with relative ease and speed later to allow for up to 100% H2 firing. In Hannibal, Ohio, a joint venture of Fortress Transportation and Infrastructure Investors and GCM Grosvenor in October 2021 started operation of a new 485-megawatt combined cycle plant, with G equipment, that is initially being fired by natural gas but the JV plans to start co-firing with up to a 2080 blend of green or blue hydrogen and gas this year. Over time the co-owners will consider whether to retrofit the plant to allow it to be fueled solely by hydrogen. Also, four other projects that, like Energy Texas's OCAPS, plan to use Mitsubishi equipment are under development, including an 840-megawatt plant planned by the Intermountain Power Agency, a group of Utah municipal utilities, in Millard County, Utah, Danskammer Energy's 600-megawatt project in Newburgh, New York, Emberclear's 1,085-megawatts project in Cadiz, Ohio, and Balico LLC's 1,600-megawatts project in Charles City, Virginia. Each of these projects will be capable of co-firing with up to 30% hydrogen when they come online, with the potential to be retrofitted later to as much as 100% H2. Using hydrogen to partially, or fully, power these utility-scale power projects will depend, of course, on the availability of significant volumes of cost-competitive green, blue, or pink hydrogen. And it remains to be seen how successful government and industry will be at making that possible. In the next blog in this series, we'll look at ongoing efforts by a number of Japanese companies, including Mitsubishi and Jera, a joint venture of utilities Tokyo Electric Power Company and Chubu Electric, to explore the potential for using ammonia, a hydrogen carrier, to co-fire existing coal-fired power plants and thereby help to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. As we'll discuss, the same companies are also looking at the possibility of developing power plants fueled entirely by ammonia. Something to Believe In was written by Brett Michaels, C.C. DeVille, Bobby Dahl, and Ricky Rocket, Poison. The power ballad appears as the 11th song on Poison's third studio album, Flesh and Blood, and was the second single released from the LP in September 1990. It went to number four on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart and has been certified gold by the Recording Industry Association of America, RIAA. Personnel on the record were, Brett Michaels, lead, backing vocals. Acoustic guitar, C.C. DeVille, lead, rhythm electric guitars, Backing vocals, Bobby Dahl, bass, backing vocals, Ricky Rocket, drums, backing vocals, and John Webster, piano. Flesh and Blood was recorded at Little Mountain Sound Studios in Vancouver, BC, in 1989-90. Produced by Bruce Fairbairn and Mike Fraser, the album was released in June 1990. It went to number two on the Billboard 200 Albums chart and has been certified 3x platinum by the RIA. Five singles were released from the LP. Poison is an American glam metal band formed in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, in 1983. Although the band has had four guitarists through its history, the core of the group, Brett Michaels, C.C. DeVille, Bobby Dahl, and Ricky Rocket, has remained. Poison has released seven studio albums, four live albums, seven compilation albums, and 30 singles and has sold over 50 million records worldwide. The band continues to record and tour and will be resuming its stadium tour with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Joan Jett in June 2022. Thanks for listening to the RBN Daily Energy Blogcast. For more information on energy market reports, maps, and consulting engagements, please visit us at rbnenergy.com. And thanks for rocking with us.